Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. We are going to jump in. I'm really excited for the word that God has given me. He's kind of been growing it in me over the last couple of months, so I'm excited to share it with somebody. Um, So we're going to jump right in. Um, We're going to start with Psalm 42, verse 1. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. And then in Matthew 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you that you fill us. God, I thank you that you cause us to hunger and to thirst after you and and that you meet every need. And God, you say in your word that if if we open our mouth wide, you will fill it. And so God, as I open my mouth this morning, God, I ask that you would fill it with your words. God, that you would open our hearts and you would fill it with your truth and your presence this morning. God, I just pray a blessing over Mike and Elizabeth as they speak and as they travel, Lord. Let it just be a great day. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to talk about hunger and thirst this morning, and as I was thinking about that, I was taken back to the story of a friend of mine um, who was in a meeting with her young daughter. You know, sometimes you have to take your kids to meetings, and it's not the best, if we're honest, because it's not the best for the kids and whatever, but you do what you got to do. So her daughter was probably six or seven at the time, and the meeting was going on and on, and um, her daughter leaned over her and was like, Mommy, I'm thirsty. And she was like, Okay, honey, like, we'll be done in a few minutes, just hang in there, whatever. Um, and then a few minutes passed, and the little girl leaned over again, and she was like, Mommy, I'm really thirsty. And she's like, okay, honey, like, we're, we're almost done. Like, I hear you. And then a few more minutes passed, and the daughter shouted in the middle of the meeting, thirsty, 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 thirsty. <laughs> she made her needs known. She made her needs known. And I think the meeting ended shortly after that. But we are made to hunger and thirst. We have a physical hunger. We have a spiritual hunger, and it is how we are made. And so I want to talk about this morning, I want to talk about why do we get hungry and thirsty? What should we do when we get hungry and thirsty? And why it's good to be hungry and thirsty. And as I talk about food for the next 30 minutes, I want to remind you we do have family lunch for the low, low price of $2 a person, $10 a family. You too can have a sandwich and fellowship. So if you're like, would she stop talking about food because I'm really hungry? The good news is lunch is already ready. So if you want to stay, you can. Um, so why do we get hungry? Why do we get thirsty? In the physical, it's obvious. So God has made us, our bodies need food, it needs water, and then when you are hungry, when you are thirsty, you go and get those things and you consume them, and then you, you, your body takes what you have ingested and it, it uses it for energy to live, right? We, what we consume, um, our body uses and and it's to repair ourselves and to help us to grow and, and to do all of those things. And then when, when you have used it, you need more, right? But what we eat and what we drink determines how healthy our body is. It determines our ability to fight off infection. It term, determines our ability to repair itself. It determines the energy level and the efficiency with which your body operates. I'm a medical professional, so I could talk about this for a long time, but I will not. I will spare you all the details. But just trust me, it is food and in, in, in is like medicine, can be like medicine or poison to our body. Depends on what you, what you put in it. And, you know, you're going to have a, your hunger filled, right? You're going to eat, and then lo and behold, you're going to be hungry again. It's just how we're designed. 
And the same thing happens in our spiritual person, right? We have longings in our spirit that come from how we are made. We are made to live in connection. We are made to, to live in a relationship with each other and with God. And that spiritual hunger is natural and it's good and that it will drive us to meet those needs. Now, we can meet those needs legitimately or in illegitimate or unholy ways, not the ways that God designed, but there are other options, right? And, but the interesting thing is whether you meet those needs in a legitimate or an illegitimate way, you're going to be hungry again. So, like, it's not that when you have a hunger or desire that you did anything wrong, right? It's just, it's how it happens in the body. It's how it happens in our spirit. When we have a hunger or thirst for God, he gives us spiritual food, right? He gives us word. He gives us his presence. He gives us revelation, you know, and we can, we can gnaw on that, like spiritual jerky, right? You just gnaw on it. Like, in the, or as the word says, you meditate on it day and night. You just kind of gnaw on that thing for a while, but then you digest it. It becomes part of who you are, like sinks down into your spirit, and, and it changes you, right? There's a satisfaction in that, and it matures us. But then, you know, it should drive your hunger, right? There should be then a deeper hunger for a deeper revelation, a new experience. It's that cycle of maturity and growth. It's a good thing. And then, but we can have that hunger, we can have that spiritual hunger, and then we can seek to fill that in the ways of the world. Like I like to call it like spiritual cotton candy, right? Like cotton candy looks like a lot when you go to eat it, but really when you condense it down, it's not a whole lot, right? But it smells good, it looks good, it tastes good, but it's not long before it's gone, and you're messy, and you're sticky, and, and you, you may have enjoyed that sugar high, but then you sugar crash, and you're hungry again, right? There's not a lot of substance to it, like that spiritual jerky. And most of us could probably attest to the fact that some of our deepest wounds and our greatest regrets have come from trying to fill that legitimate hunger in that illegitimate way with that worldly cotton candy, right? Our innermost being is going to shout, thirsty, 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 right? It's going to do that because we were made to hunger and thirst. We were made for that. But I love the promise of God that we read at the beginning in Matthew 5 or 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. We were made to hunger and thirst. You're going to hear me say that a lot. You're made to hunger and thirst. It's just how we fill those desires that determines the outcome, that determines the trajectory. It's kind of like that old adage, right? You are what you eat. Everybody heard that? You are what you eat. So true. So what do we do when you're hungry and thirsty, physical or natural, uh, spiritual? The first step is that you need to recognize that you're hungry. Um, I don't understand people who say they forgot to eat. I, I don't think that has ever happened in my life. But um, I may not have had time to eat or made time to eat, but I never forgot about it. If, you, if you're one of those people, I, I just don't understand, but bless you. Um, you probably don't have the metabolism problems the rest of us deal with. But, but the first step is to recognize that you're hungry. So like in the natural, in the physical, that's obvious. But in the spiritual, I just want to talk about that for a second. You know, you have to be connected with yourself. And I think that's really important that you have to tune into yourself as you tune into God, right? Like I might say, let me put it back in the natural for a second. I might say, there's a little bit of both. You know, I'm tired, I just need a nap. Well, maybe I am tired and I need a nap. 
but maybe I'm burnt out. Maybe I'm overwhelmed. Maybe I, you know, feel lonely. Maybe I, like it's all these other things and I really need more than just a nap, but the nap is my escape, right? Like it's, but until you really sit down and tune into yourself, you don't know what you really need, right? And as you take that time and you sit with yourself and you sit with God and you allow for that conversation, then the real need comes out, right? So just like the physical signs that you're hungry, you know, your stomach's going to growl or whatever. Maybe you're going to get a little hangry. Maybe other people are going to suggest you eat something because they know you well. Like the physical signs that you're hungry are more obvious. But what about the spiritual signs that you're hungry? Like are you aware of your spiritual signs that you're hungry? Like are you irritable? Are you anxious? Are you bored? Are you restless? Like are you dissatisfied? Like nothing satisfied. You know, you're just kind of like all over the place. You know, in the natural, if we're hungry or thirsty, we'll naturally seek things out to eat or drink. That's just what we do. In the spiritual, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to look for ways to soothe that hunger and that thirst because we're made to self-soothe, right? Like think about babies. They learn to suck their thumbs or their fingers or grab a blankie, they will figure out a way to self-soothe and to soothe themselves. And as we get older, we do the same thing when it comes to our fears and comes to our anxieties and our loneliness, right? We will, we will figure out a way to soothe ourselves. It doesn't mean that we're going to pick the best things, right? But, but you need to be aware. We all need to be aware of what's our go-to. What's that go-to when you're feeling that kind of way? Because what we consume with our eyes and our minds and our ears when we're spiritually hungry and thirsty determines our ability to fight off the enemy. Just like what you eat determines your body's ability to fight off infection. What we consume spiritually determines our ability to fight, how we're going to fight off the enemy and determines how healthy and efficient we are as the body of Christ. When I was um, raising my kids as littles, I had a friend who was in the same season and um, this story terrified me, and it really has set a course for me, but she was coming from New Jersey back to Virginia with her mom, and her son was in the car seat in the back. He was two, two and a half-ish at the time, and um, there was a massive accident on the interstate, and they got locked in this traffic jam between exits for hours, hours. No food in the car, and her mom, her mom was sitting in the front passenger seat who just kept saying, we're never getting out of here, we're never getting out of here. And her son's in the back seat going, mommy, I'm hungry, mommy, I'm hungry, mommy, I'm hungry. And it was like that for hours. Like that is, that is a definition of hell for a mom of littles right there. So she just kept passing him water because that's all she had to give him this feeling of being full. So then, of course, his diaper's flooded, the car seat's a mess. Everything's disastrous. So eventually, you know, the traffic breaks and they're able to get to like a McDonald's. That, that was the only thing that was open and um, she ordered french fries or something like that's all that they could get at that, at that hour. And the, her son woke up and was like, mommy, can I have some? And it was just this heartbreaking story. So as a result, there will always be a stash of food in my car somewhere. Now, I don't necessarily tell my children or anyone else where that food is because they would eat it. And so then when we were ever in that situation, we would have nothing. See, I know them. So I, <laughs> yes, I hide it so others don't take my supply, right? But that fear of being hungry in the spirit, we have that same thing, right? With that fear, we don't want to feel that loneliness or that fear. We don't want to. So we keep these fillers at our fingertips, right? 
So maybe at the first sign of loneliness, I'm going to consume some social media. I'm going to scroll and have that sense of being connected. Or at the first sign of fear, I'm going to, I'm going to gnaw on those anxious thoughts. I'm just going to feed on it, right? This is the thousand what-ifs. Because when we're hungry, we naturally gravitate to something, right? In the physical or in the spiritual. When we're hungry, there's a natural gravitation to something. Have you ever been... Um, watching a movie and you you got a bowl or a bag of popcorn and the next thing you know is you ate the whole thing. Like you, you weren't paying attention because you were f- so focused on the movie that you're just like, oh, I just ate all that. Okay, great. Um, sometimes we don't even realize what we're consuming, right? And if I distractedly snack on entertainment or the affirmation of others or snacking on the leftovers of other people's experiences then maybe I can assuage my hunger. Maybe there's not going to be a hunger for me to personally connect with God because I've, I've snacked, I've filled on other things. Things that weren't necessarily bad things, but they weren't the best things. Does that make sense? That I can, um, I'm not driven to seek God to let him fill me. And then I will miss the feast that God has prepared for me because of the distraction or because of snacking on other things because I wasn't desperate or hungry for him. You know, I think we could all agree you could live on fast food, but it's probably not your best option, right? It, you're probably not going to be healthy, but you could do it. But it would be like, imagine like living on fast food like or snacks, and, like, and then you sat down and you ate like a delicious home-cooked meal, right? I'm sure, welcome home, and I'm sure you know what it means, like, hey, I'm home and a home-cooked meal versus a military meal. It's a big difference, Right? It's, it makes you wonder why the fast food is even desirable. Like, there's no comparison in the satisfaction after the meal. You know, you can, you can have a meal that satisfies your hunger but not delight in it. You know what I mean? I'm talking to the foodies in the room. But we can have a walk with God, you know, that maybe is satisfactory, but you're not delighting in it. It takes the edge off the hunger, but you're not fully satisfied. You're not delighting in it. But I love Thanksgiving, So, see, I told you we're going to talk about food the whole time, and I'm really okay with that. I love Thanksgiving, the feast that's laid out there, right? And, like, you look forward to Thanksgiving. Like, I look forward to this person's, you know, broccoli cheese casserole and this person's mac and cheese and the sweet potato casserole and this and that and that. Like, the specific dishes, like, you only get that time, right? And you look forward to that because you know it's going to be delicious and you are absolutely going to be stuffed and satisfied, right? Um... It says in Psalm 23, 5 that he has prepared a feast for us. It says, you, talking to the Lord, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. You know, at the meal that he prepares, we can expect to find grace. We can expect to find peace and love and mercy all served at this table. And what I love as I was thinking about this scripture is that it says, he prepares. He prepares it. He prepares this table for us. We don't have to conjure it up. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to prepare it. We don't have to prove that we are worth it. He's done it all. We just have to sit at the table and then let God deal with the enemies around us, right? What I love is that the enemies don't leave because the table showed up. Let me say that again. The enemies don't leave because the table showed up. The difficulties in our life, they don't leave just because the table showed up, right? The difference is is that we sit, and that's how we can escape the oppression of of the enemy and the difficulties of those circumstances. Why? Because the enemy doesn't have a place at the table. You do. 
It's assigned seating, reserved seating. And I just love that. That the, the problems may not leave, but you'll not go into, back into the battle weary and hungry and thirsty and weak. You're going to go back into the battle satisfied. You're going to go back into the battle with a renewed sense of who you are, right? Just like eating healthy lets our physical body fight off disease, eating from the table of the Lord is how we fight off the lies and the enemy's attacks. I love the, um, the song by Upper Room. I think it does a lot of people do it, I think. But the, the surrounded fight my battle song where it says, when it looks like I'm surrounded, I'm surrounded by you. And then it's worship, and it's like, this is how I fight my battles, right? This is how we fight, is we sit. It's very contrary indicated to how the world thinks, right? Is that we fight by sitting. But when I sit, then I'm, I'm defeating the enemies because I'm honoring God as our, my father, as the head of the table, as the Lord of the feast, as the provider. And I recognize that when I sit down, I'm sitting down in my rightful place as child of the Most High. I'm choosing to rest in the manna of what he has provided this day, right? And, but we have to give ourselves permission to rest and to eat and to fellowship with him regardless of what's happening around us, right? Like it's easy to be distracted by all the things because all the things have to get done, right? But, but to have to sit, to choose to sit, to choose to sit and eat, that's, that's a choice and it's a, it's a powerful battle move right? It's a checkmate to the enemy. Because a slave has no rest, but a child is expected to rest, right? So when we're running around and we're trying to fight these battles, then we're wearing ourselves out. But when we sit at the table and we rest and we are renewed and we are nourished, then we are ready for the battle again, right? Or maybe the battle ends because you sat. Because anxiety and fear and loneliness, they have no place. When we take our rightful place at the table and we honor God as his, at his rightful place at the head of the table, then, then there's no place for that stuff, right? Because I'm not exhausting myself, running around, trying to conjure up a blessing, conjure up a solution, conjure up an answer, but I'm showing the enemy that I know who I am because I sat down at the table of fellowship, at the table with a blessing and the provision of my father. I sat down and I received it. Anybody been to Texas Day Brazil? I told you I'm talking about food the whole time. Okay, it's ridiculously expensive, but it's ridiculously good. So if you've never been, they have a salad bar that's not much salad, but these really crazy dishes, and then they bring these, uh, all these different meats to your table, and you have a card that you flip saying, I want some, or you, when you are stuffed or need a break, you can flip it over, and they won't come to your table, but you know they'll shave off lamb and steak and chicken, all these crazy meats, and it's delicious and perfect and wonderful. And if you go... I'm just going to tell you, like, you're not going to get your money's worth if you don't come hungry, right? So if I knew I was going, I would not eat the whole day. I would not, because why would I fill up with something of less value, right? Why would I, like, get a nasty hamburger from McDonald's on the way and not have as much room for that feast, right? What God offers us at this table that he has prepared for us, it's expensive, it's precious, it costs Jesus everything, this is not casual dining. This is not drive-through. It's not grab-and-go. It's a costly meal of great value, one where it's encouraged for you to linger and savor each bite. Um, sitting at the table, my family will tell you, sitting at the table for a meal is important to me. 
and it is very important to me because you know we live busy lives and sometimes that's the only time all five of us are together and so um, they will tell you I get very irritated if you eat ahead of time and you don't want what I fixed then I'm kind of frustrated by that my absolute pet peeve is you see me standing here cooking and then you're gonna go right there beside me and get a snack put that snack down I am cooking why would you do that it's really frustrating or um, if somebody, like, um, like I get frustrated when I'm saying, like, okay, dinner's ready, everybody comes to the table, and they're wandering around, I'm like, I want to eat hot food, come on, to the table, everyone to the table, or if somebody gets their plate and goes to the table and eats it and leaves before everybody gets to the table, like, they're just checking the box of the meal, but they're not, of eating the meal, they're not, they're missing the point of the meal, you see what I'm saying? Because for me, it's more than the meal. This is our time together. Um, but my favorite is when everybody enjoys the meal and they kind of sit back and they're, they're satisfied and enjoying the meal and we're talking and we're laughing because it's more than just the food, right? It's more than just the nourishment. It's that fellowship. It's that connection. And so the translation to this table in Psalm 23 is kind of obvious. Like God's heart is that we are mindful of the meal. We are mindful when it's time to sit and eat. We don't rush, right? This is valuable time. We savor the meal. We're satisfied. We're grateful that we treasure that time of fellowship. Now, obviously, we're not, like, bumping into actual physical tables in the middle of our day. I was thinking about that. That would be fun, like, where it says, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you're just running about your day, and then, like, you bump into and trip over, like, Jesus at this table with, you know, the Matisse's awesome barbecue and some, like, you know, mac and cheese and potato salad and all the things, like, laid out, and Jesus is like, hey, what's up? You want some lunch? Like, that would be funny, right, just to, like, literally bump into a table during the day, but that's not obviously what happens, um, but we're just, like, we're drawn to eat at regular times of the day. Like, it's part of your routine. Like, it, sitting at the table with the Lord should be part of our routine. We should have, be drawn to do that, to feast on his word, to feast in his presence, to be filled with his presence and to be satisfied by him. Have you ever um, like tried to make it to like a restaurant to get something you wanted but you were too late? Like maybe you wanted some breakfast item and but but as soon as you got there they switched the menu to lunch and you're like I just really wanted a biscuit you know or like you're like oh I think I got five minutes before they close and you're trying to run get like that like last minute late night snack or something and they're like sorry kitchen's closed. Such a bummer. Um, I hate when that happens but the good news is that God's table never shuts down, and it never runs out. Um, but have you ever tried to fill your spiritual hunger in somebody else? But maybe they were closed off, right? Maybe they were unavailable, you know, closed for business. Maybe you were just a little too needy. Maybe you wanted grace, but the only thing left on their menu was some criticism, right? I think about the woman at the well, you know, she was criticized. She was kind of ostracized um, in her community because of um, the illegitimate ways that she sought to fill her hunger, right, through um, different relationships and, and things like that that were not um, deemed appropriate, and rightfully so. Um, and Jesus meets her there, and I love how Jesus um, organized this, right, because he had organized the timing perfectly. He knew she was coming in the heat of the day, and he sent the disciples to go get physical food, knowing that she was spiritually hungry, and he would need a one-on-one -on -one with her. And so he meets her at the well, and he's asking her 
for some water, and he's, he's like, you know, this is really culturally very inappropriate for you to be talking to me, and, and he said, if you knew who you were talking to, you would ask me for living water, and so she's talking to him about this living water, you know, and living water back in those days would have been like a fresh flowing stream, right? Fresh water that's flowing, it's not stagnant, it's not ceasing, it doesn't dry up, that kind of living water, but that's not what he was talking about. Jesus told the woman that he could give her living water and she would never thirst again. And what he meant is you'll be able to finally stop trying to get other people to fill this need of yours. Like, you'll actually be satisfied. Um, I'm going to give a shout-out to our J3 Christian Podcast people here. If you guys are not listening to it, uh, I encourage you to look it up, like, and subscribe and all the things. Um, it's been great. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. But one of the nuggets that I heard in one of your earlier podcasts that I wanted to include was this... Um, the same thing, this cycle of looking for affirmation from the world. And they talked about that the world will give it to you, but it's going to cost you something. And so that cycle deepens. And that was profound. I loved it. So shout out to you guys. Keep doing what you're doing. We can try to have our hunger and thirst met in other people, but those sources will always dry up, right? They're not ever going to satisfy. Jesus is the only source that doesn't dry up. And hunger and thirst are natural alerts that you're missing something that you need. But God does not call you to be hungry and thirsty and then not bring you to a place where you can be satisfied. He doesn't give you a snack to sustain you, but he prepares a feast for you, a feast in the presence of your enemies and your difficult circumstances. But we, we have to choose to sit and rest and eat. You know, and he calls us to do that. And so as children, we should be obedient to that. But just, you know, for those of us as parents, you know, we want our children to do the right thing. We want them to be in obedience with a, with a good attitude, right? But it's not all we want. There's a sweetness when, when they choose to just hang out with us. And, you know, you can kind of revel in who they are and, and that fellowship. And it's just not about sitting at the meal out of obedience, but it's about how we grow in our relationship with God and our gratitude and our delight and our worship. It's the foundation of our joy. It's the foundation of our peace and our satisfaction because we're aware of who we truly are in Christ, right? Because if I'm settled in the fact that I'm a daughter of the Most High King and that I am chosen for a purpose and that I'm here and gifted for the season and the purposes that he's called me to, then there is no striving, right? If those things are settled, why would I strive? Because I know who I am, I know who my daddy is, and I know why I'm here. So what am I striving for, right? I have nothing to prove to anyone because it's settled. The fact that Jesus would die for me establishes my value. The fact that he would put his Holy Spirit in me, that he would see my own flesh as a dwelling place worthy of his Holy Spirit, spirit settles my worth, right? I don't have anything to prove to anyone. I don't have to listen to the, the chitter-chatter of the enemy in my ear, because I can rest in these truths. But I do have to walk in obedience, and I do have to live in a manner that's worthy of the calling and the one who calls me. But my identity is foundational. So when I hunger and thirst, it's because I'm being reminded that I have a dependence on him. But I know when I'm hungry where to go, right? It's not being hungry or thirsty that's the problem. It's where do I go to fill it? If I feel like I've failed because I'm hungry or thirsty or that I need to be filled again, or that dissatisfaction has shown up somehow because I used up what, I was, what was given to me before, you know, maybe that I, like, I shouldn't be hungry again, like he just did this, why am I you know, needy again? Then that's a shame. That, that shame is a lie, and it undermines my identity. And if it cracks the foundation of the identity, right? if our, the foundation of our identity is cracked, 
then it limits what God can build on it because you can't build on a cracked foundation, right? It won't sustain the strong house that God wants to build. So as we close, I want to just talk about why is it good to be hungry and thirsty? You know, as I thought about Scripture and the miracle, there's more than once Jesus fed thousands of people off of seemingly nothing, like a little stack pack, right? But I love each time it says he saw their hunger and he had compassion and he fed them. Our deepening hunger is a sign of maturity, not immaturity. A desire to be anchored in the truth of who God is. But we hunger in strength and authority, not in helplessness. Do you get that this morning? We hunger in a strength and an authority because we know we are going to be filled, because he promised, and that what we're going to be filled with is good. We're not hungry and helpless. So what is in you to do? Um, I hope that you are hungry to see God move in and through you uh, with an acknowledgement of who you are really. You're not the old you that God had pity on and led in the family. You're a new creation, beautiful in his sight. You are called. You are empowered. The enemy would want you to feel shame about your um, not-so-spiritual late-night snacks, your binge-eating of online junk, maybe, you know, your repetitive drive-through visits of sin. He would want you to feel such shame about that. But the thing about shame is shame keeps us from being vulnerable. But you know how you undo shame? You become vulnerable. And you connect. But when we're, we're immersed in shame, we don't connect and we, we don't allow ourselves to be vulnerable and we get stuck in that cycle. But God comes to remove the shame this morning and he comes to restore. If you're hungry for more in life, maybe you don't know Jesus. This would be a great day to get to know Jesus. He's the only one that's going to satisfy that hunger that you're feeling. We would love to pray with you if you're online. We would love to connect with you. If you would go to our website and click on Next Steps, we would love to connect with you and walk through there because there's no, no substitute. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up, and um, we're going to sing one song, whatever song they feel led to, to sing. Um, but as they get situated, I was reminded um, of the bread of the presence is um, what they referred to God's presence in the Old Testament. And um, I got a bread maker years ago because I love the smell of fresh bread. It makes me immediately hungry every time. It just, the smell fills the room and it's just so satisfying. Um, and so I got a bread maker and I was like going to make all this fresh bread and then I didn't. And Jeremy's like, just get rid of the bread maker. And I was like, no, I'm going to do it. And um, so my husband being my husband put a, a note in the bread maker with the last date that I used it. And so when I opened it up like two years later and I saw that note, I was pretty mad. And I was like, okay, fair point. Um, And I just want to say there's nothing better than some fresh bread, right? The bread of his presence, the aroma of the bread, and how it fills and satisfies. So we're just going to go back into a time of worship, and we're just going to say, God, satisfy the hunger that we have and make us hungry for what you have. The altar is open. The table is open. So go do what you need to do. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church.